1: Okay. Coach, we're ready to play. Today we've facing the tribunal today we have James Tate for laying a crude bump. How you going? Yeah, his player advocate is M. Collard. As always. And uh, I'm John A. Tate. I'm the coach waiting to tell him that the bump is dead. The bump is dead. No more bumps. Bumps are gone. Bump the bump.
0: <laughs> I love the bump. I love giving a good bump. <laughs>
2: Controversial opinion That is probably a bit controversial This is the Sporting Record We've got a special treat for you today We're going to be playing an interview with the one and only Peter Cullen Who we'll get into shortly Uh, But first
0: The Sporting Record would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation As the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast this program And on which much of our local sport is played We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging Sovereignty was never ceded we also would like to acknowledge the incredible contribution of First Nations athletes to this country's sporting life. So, John Eight, who is Peter
2: Cullen, who we're going to hear from? Yes, so Em
1: and I came in here on Tuesday and we interviewed Peter Cullen, who is the founder and still uh, runs uh, the RecLink organisation, along with a big team of people. It's not just him. But anyway, he was good enough to come in and talk to us about well, the reason for coming in was to talk to us about the book, uh, The Power of a Football, which has been released not all that long ago. So I won't say any more about that because it's all on the... Uh, uh, we've cut out 15 minutes to play now, and we can probably do part two another time as well. Bloody oath, how good. Let's get to Let's it. Let's get into, straight into it. All right, here we are at 3CR Studios. My name's John A. Tate, and uh, this is a special edition of The Sporting Record. Here with uh, M Collard.
0: Good uh, morning. Good morning.
1: <laughs> See, we're normally afternoon. We are normally and afternoon. And our special guest is Peter Cullen from uh, RecLink. G'day, Peter.
3: Oh, good, John. And M. it's great to be with you guys talking footy and the very best of football, uh, I believe.
1: I think you're a bit bold wearing your cat's hoodie in, though.
3: Uh, yeah, it, it is a little bit of bold. I used to like to think that I wore them when they lost and went into the rooms when they lost, but people think that's a bit bizarre. You know, it's my way of uh, supporting.
1: So how do you feel of that loss to Collingwood on the weekend? Yeah it, was, yeah, it
3: was interesting. I'm sort of getting some comfort out of winning the first three quarters, but Collingwood were very impressive, the way they came back uh, from behind time and time again, I think. You know, you'd have to say it might have broke Geelong's spirit a bit that they came back, you know, in the closing five minutes of those quarters um, multiple times when it looked like Geelong were just starting to get a bit of a hold on the game, but they finished very well and Geelong um, um, seemed to be really challenged in that last quarter.
1: They just seemed to stop, didn't they?
3: Yeah, they seemed to really lose the spark.
1: Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the uh, Reckling book, which is called The Power of A Football. What's the, point? What's the uh, meaning behind the title, The Power of A Football?
3: Well, uh, to be honest with it, it's just such a, a powerful game. And um, from the earliest days of um, Reckling footy in 1989, we used it for that very reason within our community. It's amazing cultural power. Uh, it's been a, a tool... Um, that behind the, um, I guess, the glamour and the the public, um, enormous public interest in Australian rules, there's what we call third tier football that we've been doing since um, 1989. And we've seen that the huge social impact. And um, we found that the game on the streets of St Kilda in '89 reminded people of people's better life memories. They were, fantastic conversation starters to get to know people mm, mm. who were doing things, uh, doing it di- uh, tough, you know, and um, it was a great way to connect with people. It, it's it's powerful in so many ways, um, and there's so many stories to illustrate that. But
1: um I think you were very clever back in that time, seeing you've taken us there, to actually start with uh, a great Aussie tradition, which is kick to kick. Mm. So you didn't start playing games, you just got some guys out on an
3: oval and have a bit of kick to kick is that right yeah the the informality um, of sport i sort of observed was was really powerful um and people don't want to share their concerns or they may not have shared their concerns for a long time but to get together informally it it becomes a trust builder through time and structure and Turning up and inviting is very powerful in people's lives who may not have had a lot of invitations over their life connected to uh, opportunity. People came there at a low point in their life. St Killer in 89, when I was doing the street outreach, they experienced trauma, found more um, trauma. Uh, constant conversations were... Um, suicide and and overdoses and people said a lot of things that were starting to add up to me that sport and recreation could be very powerful if they could access it I mean a man left prison that I met uh, on the street he really didn't have much so that's not an uncommon story that when people leave hospitals drug and alcohol rehabs it can be a very uh, stressful uh, stressful period and if they can have something they can enjoy and access this man said I've got energy to burn nowhere to burn it my head feels like exploding on the inside and, and then another man um, uh, we went out to the uh, house theatre I took a group out in a bus and uh, he was experiencing homelessness and schizophrenia And maybe foolishly, I look back, I said to him, um, what are his goals for the future? He said, Peter, I don't even know what to do in the present, (laughs) never mind the future. So that was very grounding. So I thought something immediate that people could access. You've got to make things as accessible as possible. And enjoyment in people's lives, I think, is really important, uh, particularly at that point. And Australia, we all love a kick-to-kick. Uh, I've always loved the game and uh, got great life uh, out of the game, whether it was watching, going to, going to the football, I could never think of anything more exciting than going to watch football, at 12 years of age I would somehow get myself into the rooms and... Um, They would say, um, you know, let the little bloke through and I'd have a crew cut and people would be running their hand (laughs) over the head. And, uh, you know, I'd get to see Peter Piano on the bench there, you know, making this amazing spiel to his players. And those days it was... So the game began to capture me from very young. I never had a ball out of my hands. I started, you know, all the time I had the football with me, uh, during school, after school, kicking the ball over the uh the wires, um kicking with anyone who who, who was around it was just so deeply embedded in our being, really, so yes it, yeah anyway we, So we, for we, these
1: blokes on the street to say, "Look come come and have a kick with me in the park
3: something they, to do
1: during the day, somehow how they use up some of that energy
3: well, people responded really well to to that um and that was, I I was blown away even by the numbers that started and kept coming, how we were able to form a team of an unlikely looking footy team, if I can put it that way. I remember the priest Ernie Smith saying, we're going to have to cut out this football after the first match or two, because <laughs> everyone was hobbling along, I've seen all these people hobbling along Grey Street. <laughs> And he said, we might have to cut out this footy, Peter. Everyone's hobbling along Gray Street coming to the meal with Sacred Heart Mission, just have three or 400 people. But he, grown to, he grew to love it and appreciate it to the point where he said, Peter, you should be doing this full time. This is really working. They're, they're absolutely loving this and they made their own gold flags and we borrowed and lent um, resources. I remember the presbytery being absolutely packed to take a group to Osnum House uh, to play our early games. but um,
1: I wanted to ask you uh, about that first game that you, your team played against the Osnum House guys uh, in the park opposite Osnum House and it made me laugh, the story about uh, everyone's ready to go and you wanted to do the traditional thing and have a coin toss. Yeah, well, so I, what happened there?
3: Well, I discovered there wasn't a, a cracker between the lot of us so he could have turned <laughs> us all upside down including myself. I never used to carry around a lot of money, and I think people all thought that that might have been wise at that stage. But, um, uh, yeah. No, right, let no. me
1: tell you a story from my experience. Em hasn't got a word in yet, but you'll, I'll get you to do a reading in a sec. Yeah. Um, so, as I told you before, I coached a team uh, out at Lilydale for a season in Rick Link and it was a great experience. But, uh, it was a long way for me to travel from Airport West over to Lilydale. And one day I was running a bit late for the game. It was a game day. It was a home game for us. And I got there in time, but only just. So I jumped out of the van and ran inside and organised the guys and out they went. And that's where all we played and lost as usual. And, uh, at the end of the game, the guys were all sitting around. There were a few girls, but it was mostly guys, uh, eating their pie and drinking their can of Coke. And, uh, I said, well, i better go now. So I went back to the van. Of course, in my haste, I'd locked my keys in the in the car. Right? So, so I went back and I said, listen, is there anybody who can break into a van? So I think 36 hands shot up in the air. <laughs> so I had the right yeah. crowd. So let's have a taste of the book, Em.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, something that I really enjoyed about the book was, and we discussed this a little bit earlier, but um, how – It isn't necessarily just a historical, factual account of how it came to be, which part of it is, and that's important, but it really shares a lot of um, very powerful stories um, of participants and people involved with Recklink, which has been fantastic to read, and I think a really wonderful part of the book. Um, So I just wanted to share this little um, excerpt from it um, to do with Michael Walsh's uh, story with Callista Cooper. So this excerpt starts, they call depression the black dog. And let me tell you what the black dog truly feels like. It's like being in a room in complete darkness, putting your hands on the wall, looking for the door, but there is no door. There's no escape. That's very much how I described my illness in those early times. Through an invite to join a game of Reckling footy, which took me five weeks before I could even get out of the car at the Oval, I slowly found reconnection points to bring myself back from the brink and went on to find small joys, volunteering with their footy league and eventually stepping into a rewarding full-time job with Reclink. This is my story.
3: Yeah, it's a very powerful story and he has an insight that's probably worth sharing. Um, he realised intuitively that if he... He didn't get out of the house. He'd had quite. He'd had a massive personal um, breakdown. He had brothers who were trying to support him. He had family who were very supportive. Um, he used to, you know, he he wasn't really leaving the house there for a period. And uh, our coach, um, one of our coaches at the Sunbury Phoenix, uh, Brian Millett, would phone him up and phone him up multiple times and. Uh, he wasn't able to sort of respond to that at this point. Um, but as he said, he turned up at the ground five times before he got out of the car. When he walked across the ground, he realised at the end of the day, he he picked up that there was a lot of people who had a whole lot of life challenges, but who probably had very little or no support. And, and that football team, was he could see how critical it was and he felt he was doing valuable work. Uh, he could see that that structure could mean everything as almost as a family for some or a second family. And um, yeah, he, he goes step by step um, and he's, it's a wonderful story that's been put together. Uh, about him but one of the things a quote that he loved and is in the story you alone can't do it hmm. but you alone must take the first steps and that quote really impacted on him and it allowed him to get out of the house um and to sort of rebuild his life he became one of our uh became a really great worker for us
0: yeah i noticed um i was actually going to uh Bring up that quote as well because it that for him he said that he realized he needed to take to help himself, which is great. But then also being able to do that in a community that supported him is also incredibly crucial, which was really lovely to see how that then played out from there. You know, take the first step out of the car, even. Um, yeah, that was really wonderful to read, and all throughout the book as well, a lot of quotes like it footy being better than medicine um and someone else saying a vaccine that you can see and that's mm. a common thread throughout but how do you think how why is footy so powerful in that way do you think
3: uh I, I have my own thoughts on this i think we're um 30 years ago when we were starting this what i observed on the streets of St Kilda is that people were in deep isolation. They were not accessing anything, really. Families, sporting clubs, work, and they were really vulnerable. I think it's a great um, protector of the vulnerable to get a, a structure that brings you out of that and that you really, um, that you really uh, enjoy. Um, but one of the, the girls in the, in the book, um, she wasn't allowed to play footy at school. She'd had a lot of trauma in her life. Um, She, uh, and as a result of that, started doing a lot of um, self-harming. She, the principal, um, she was asked to go to the office because she started playing footy with the boys. So in that young life, she never got to play. She said all her life she waited to be able to do what Reckling was providing for her with uh, footy, cricket, and doing a whole range of things. She became a great character. She won our league medal. Um, but towards the end of the story, um, they asked her what she got out of football. She said, um, I just forget how she words it, but she finishes it. Um, uh, I'm not sure what would have happened, but I do know this. It wouldn't have been good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on other occasions, she's said that it saved her life. It's not uncommon in nearly all or most stories to pick up some threads of that. It's either extremely life-giving or it saved their, their life. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children aged three and four can access 15 hours per week of free kindergarten. In a kinder program, children learn through play, art, music and dance. Qualified teachers create culturally safe places for Aboriginal children and families. Koori Kids Shine at kindergarten. Find out more at vic.gov.au forward slash koori dash kids dash shine. Authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne.
0: A 3CR supporter. Have you had your fourth COVID-19 vaccine dose? The Murdoch Children's Research Institute at the Royal Children's Hospital are recruiting participants aged 18 years or older to receive a randomized fourth COVID-19 vaccine dose, either Moderna bivalent or Novavax vaccine, or be part of a control group and receive no additional vaccine. You will be compensated for your time and transport and will receive your antibody test results. For more information, contact covid.booster at mcri.edu.au. The Murdoch Children's Research Institute is a 3CR supporter.
1: <laughs> so, that was, uh, so that was Peter Cullen uh, from RecLink uh, telling us about the book, The Power of the Football. Well, it was 15 minutes of our interview anyway uh, At some time we may put the whole interview as a podcast So that you can listen to the whole thing uh, If you're interested in getting a copy of the book um, The best thing to do is to contact Reckling directly And just buy it straight from them That way they get most of the proceeds of the sale uh, Otherwise it is in bookstores And uh, Recklink get a, a healthy royalty And if you'd like to support your bookstore That's not a bad thing either That's a good idea Thank you to Peter Cullen for coming in. That was
2: a wonderful interview, and there'll be more of that later. Uh, but now we're going to do a quick
1: whip around, a whip around, whip
0: around, whip around, I'm around excited. of the, of what are the we events of the week. Looking at? John, what's in the agenda?
1: Well, there were two things I wanted to whip, but uh, you might have other things. One's the bump, and one's the roar. The bump and the roar—that sounds good. It's like Narnia. I'll go with the roar. Go with the roar. So I noticed on the weekend at the, the footy, we're talking about footy because it's just the first round and it's exciting. Um, the two biggest roars of the weekend. One was for Anthony McDonald, Tip Woody, when he ran on the ground. Big roar. Fabulous roar from a big crowd. And the other roar was more of a negative one. when uh, is it Ollie Henry, Oliver Henry? Correct. Uh, when he was run down by his former teammate, Uh, who's now the captain. Darcy Moore. Darcy Moore. And the roar from the uh, Collingwood people. Um, I didn't like it. Well, first of all, that incident, there were two, if I was the coach, there were two Geelong players standing right there and did nothing. Yeah, Um, lay a a block. Yeah, I know. Or even say, hey, kick it, you're not going to get tackled. But apart from that, I don't like it when a player moves to another club for one reason or another and his former fans suddenly turn on him and give him a a lot of verbal abuse mm. what do you two think? Does it happen in other codes
0: i I think it depends on the circumstances of the person leaving. I think there are some cases in which a player you know the nature of their contract has meant that they 're forced to go um, in whatever it might be. The club needs to figure out some money salary cap issues and they have to release a player or something like that. But there are other circumstances where the player might, you know, at least to the fans, it seems as though they've just got a better offer and they've been like, yep, that'll do me. And it, it's felt like there's a, been a sense of... Uh, I don't know, disloyalty to the team that mm. the fans don't appreciate. A sense of betrayal. Yeah, I agree. So I think it depends on the circumstances, but in general, though, I'm not sure I'd expect anything else from Collingwood supporters. <laughs>
1: well, I just thought it was a bit over the top. I mean, it's an Aussie thing, I suppose, to boo somebody in, in, in jest at the footy, you know, and, but, uh, you know, it can go over the top. When does it become verbal abuse?
0: That's a good point. That's, that's a good a, question. That's a good question. I've uh, got no bloody I thought it was idea.
1: a bit over the top. Though, yeah. yeah. It the look, in, in an ideal world, we
2: go, yeah, fair enough, man. I don't understand why you're leaving.
1: Because the TV be cameras you. love it. Oh. They hone in on the sections of the crowd that are going to be oh, the most. Absolutely
0: look, they absolutely look like they're about to commit murder or something. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness, yeah.
1: So it's good TV, I suppose, if you like that sort of thing. But I don't know. See, Joe Dano left Essendon. That's one and, close to my heart, yeah. You know, it was disappointing. You know, we would put a lot of time into him. He probably got booed a bit when he played Essendon. Adam well, Sard is another one. I don't think who, it was at that level. Yeah.
0: I also don't think it's just an Australian thing. I, I don't know if uh, you've seen the clips of Ben Simmons attempting to make a return Ooh. to the, the Philly home court okay. as a as a Brooklyn net, but it's... What happened brute. He left the 76ers after having a year out kind of... The way it was portrayed was that he had a bit of a dummy spit about the conditions there. Who knows what really went on? But the way it was portrayed was that the, the fans didn't like it and they thought he should do, be doing better and in the end left the 76ers for the Brooklyn Nets. And on his return to the 76ers home, home court, it was not – they booed him any he moved – he looked the wrong way. They, it was brutal. It was, it was vitriolic. It was vitriolic. It was very brutal. Mm. It was yeah. It was awful. I don't know how you'd have to have a huge amount of mental preparation, and I'm sure they would have known that was going to happen. But it was very brutal. If like probably similarly so to to what Collingwood did. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't know where we're going to go on that but one. But yeah, I think that's a good point. Up. It's a good question, though. Like, at what point does it turn into abuse? And like, you, what's you the line?
2: You can't police a boo. No no, and no. we saw that with the horrific Adam Goods saga. It spiraled out of control yes, mm. yes and yes. it resulted in a greater of the game leaving under horrific circumstances yes. yeah, so you know there were, there were pleas from people saying, "All right, stop, this is not good, and it kept going, you know, and a
1: huge chunk of the footy community hated that, but there was nothing we could do. It just kept on going kept on going good point, mm. uh the bump, the bump. If I was the coach of the players who were in trouble on the weekend for high bumps, head-high bumps, I'd be disappointed in them, not because of that, but because they should be going for the ball. Uh, Pickett in particular,
0: why didn't he try to smother the ball, smother the kick That was, rather than
1: leaping off the ground into the guy?
0: Yeah, that was not great. Maybe I retract my earlier statement. I don't mind a bump, but as long as it's in going for the ball... I guess. Earlier yeah, way earlier, earlier <laughs> off air. statement. I'd avoid a but no, I think, I think that Cosy Picket one particularly that was just in in no way was he even thinking about that was just absolutely and it was a very dangerous. It was not a good looking um, head high shot, and I I think also begs the question: at what point should AFL players be sent off during a game? Because mm-hmm. in the NRL. Um, you get Sinbin for 10 minutes for a shot like that. And something that was, in my opinion, could be graded as less significant than that was someone was given five weeks off uh. in the NRL and then Coszy Pickett. Was it two weeks maybe? Two weeks. And not, mm. you know. Mm. But it's, I, I think it doesn't make, coming from a, a rugby league state, I think it doesn't make sense to not have the power to send players off when they do things like that because that's pretty. And it also lets you, the rest of your teammates down as well. Like you mm. need to be held accountable for your team. So you sent off for ten minutes and not replaced. No, not replaced. So your, you're down a player. Your team is disadvantaged. Mm. And
2: honestly, for football culture, the idea of having a sin bin seems to me one a, a very very exciting aspect of the football. You it's, get sin binned. Oh, I'd lose my. I'd, I'd lose. Be, I'd lose my.
0: Shit. I would be. St- just so beyond embarrassed. I don't, I don't know. What happens in, in lower <laughs> leagues,
1: you know, in lower leagues you get sent off for the quarter.
0: Does it really? Yeah. Doesn't happen in my league. Yeah, there's a, a yellow card no, system in a never... lot
2: of local leagues. Yeah, I've never been here. I, I was an umpire once and I tried to yellow card a kid and he just wouldn't listen. I had no control over it. <laughs> oh, no, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. not good. <laughs> it, this was under 10s and he punched a kid. Oh. And I was trying to show him the yellow card, but he kept ignoring me and running away. And I had no power over him. It wasn't. It, no, I wasn't. Was so not a, his
1: coach should have dragged him off. I was not a great you umpire. Get, it, you didn't get support
2: umpiring, from his
0: coach. Umpiring is stressful. I'd never enjoy doing um, it personally. The
1: last game I umpired,
2: I I uh, returned some verbal abuse to some parents, <laughs> and yeah, I got reported. So, so yeah, I don't have the temperament for that. So for all the umpires out there, you're doing a great job, and we we respect we respect the bloody hell out of you. I will tell you. But bring in the sin bin. It's just nice to say as well. Sin bin. It
0: is. It rolls off the tongue. It's sin bin. I reckon mm. it's one of
2: the great things.
1: I'm just NRL wondering has done. if being a player short in Aussie rules would be more dramatic than being a player short in in rugby.
0: Oh, that's that's a big question. I suddenly you got a loose player. You do have a loose player, but in rugby league as well, when you've got a full Same lineup problem. trying to go to the try line, okay. you've got a man less there, a player less. Then that's significant. Your defense is. Really, yeah. you're just under the pump the, mm. whole, the whole time. And, a,
2: and apart from the six-six-six rule, that the, the, every centre bounce in football, you know, you just flood the back line anyway. You yeah. know. It, yeah. sh- it wouldn't. I don't think it would have as much of an impact on the game. I think it'd be more an aesthetic. Oh, he's been sin binned Oh, imagine Brian Taylor getting all that. No, oh, no, actually, no,
0: try, no. It, the, the commentating for it was just <laughs> atrocious. It would okay. send me. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't yeah. cope.
2: <laughs> yeah, sin
1: bin Now, James, last week you uh, revised your, your 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 great idea of having a jazz round.
2: Jazz round, We've got the gather round. And, got, and then mentioned that, uh,
1: that they'd love to hear some. Aussie rules anthems in a jazz format so today for your listening pleasure I've brought along the swans theme South Melbourne when this was recorded in the early 60s
0: and uh, in a a full-on jazz format you treat me well I'm my two great loves in my life jazz and footy coming together
2: Yeah, so thanks for listening, everyone. This will take us out. Like and subscribe and support the radio station, do all that good stuff, and catch our newly formed podcast, available in many places, and we're expanding to all places soon. So have a good week, everybody.